of podcast from the edge, talking common sense. This is Manju, your host, otherwise known as Mizzy M. And I really thank you once again for tuning in. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Esther, who is the Northeast representative for Turning Point USA. I hope you get inspired just by listening to what she says. She's truly a force of nature in her generation. So let's get started. Hi, Esther. Hi, Minju. How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Oh, this is going to be so exciting. I'm so excited as well to share my experiences. And um, yeah. Okay, so why don't we get started, and why don't you tell the listeners something about yourself briefly and how you got yourself involved in Turning Point? Yeah, so I actually just recently got involved with Turning Point and in the political arena this year. Um, I started off going to UConn and um, doing a major that I'm, I'm completely in a different um, direction from. Um, mainly because I, I saw that the younger generation really needed needed um, mentors and leaders. Um, so I started with Turning Point in August after I um, briefly um, stopped working on a campaign. And um, I think it's been so beneficial um, working with the younger generation um, in the climate that we're seeing in the U.S. right now, for sure. Okay. And what have you found so far when uh, since you started working? Yeah, so I I really started to dig deep um, when I got to know students. We work uh, with ages between fourteen and eighteen. We are in over thirty five hundred campuses across the U.S. college campuses, but we just launched a high school department um, that I feel is is so essential and important to work with because. You know, the younger generation in high school, they're sponges. Um, right. They're, yeah, they're just, they're soaking up um, whatever the teachers tell them, whatever their friends tell them, whatever the TV tells them. And so I think it's it's amazing that we were open, we were able to pioneer this department in August. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so when you started with Turning Point, what really... Um, attracted you to that. Yeah, Can you so explain that? Okay. Sure. I I saw that um obviously being from New England or any place where there's not like a conservative majority, um students have been very ostracized. Um mm-hmm. students have been um fearful of voicing their opinion and um I'm just going to start with a story um, from a experience I had in, at a school I went to, I set up a turning point table and that, what that looks like is we set up a table outside the school on a public sidewalk with all of our materials. They're all high school friendly. 
uh, mainly patriotic materials. We give out copies of the Constitution, and uh, we we are known to set up these tables on public sidewalks so that students can find interest and um, ask questions at our tables. So um, at this one particular town that I went to um, has population of 11,000 people and an 87% um, voting record Democrat in that town. Um, the students came out and and started treating started harassing me. It was and, and we're talking like students between like 14, 15, like they they don't they're they're so young. And um, I started to question why these students were reacting to me this kind of way. It's, you know, if it, they have to be being taught to 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 react this kind of way to something they they don't know. And okay. so, yeah, I just I just saw this um, this behavior coming from students, mainly because people criticize what they don't understand. But um, it was just something I, I thought that shocked me. Yeah, of course. Are they um, afraid of when you say ostracized? I mean, do they get? Um, doxxed, bullied in their school? Does this administration do anything to protect them at all? Uh, so when I when I went outside the school, the students who there were a few students who were conservatives that came up to me and they were like, hey, please don't tell anybody, but I'm a conservative. You know, I was I was being flooded by all these students, but the the ones that were actually conservative, which was only really about three, they they wore fear all over their faces. They were extremely scared. And not to mention in that same experience, um, a board member had come out and saw my table on the public sidewalk with which disclaimer, it's it's not illegal to set up a table on a on a public sidewalk. You know, that's taxpayer money. So um, I there was a board member that came up to me and was kind of interrogating me and um, asking me who I was, where I was from, what I was doing. And she was extremely passive aggressive about um, the materials on my table. And um, that makes me think that, you know, obviously admin and teachers in, have been biased. You know, they they've been teaching only one side of the spectrum to the students and um if that was one board member, I can't imagine multiple others in, in other schools that um, are also not receptive to the conservative message. That's right. And unfortunately, that little um, window into what you just told about mm -hmm. the administration or this particular administrator, um, when she came up to you and was being passive aggressive, that just, I mean, can you imagine what she must be like? Um, let's say if she was a professor in a classroom and she could really intimidate someone and right. use grades as leverage, um, you know, can ostracize them in class. I mean, it, it just shows how much, um, you know, that these children, these children, I should say, or young adults, um, really right. have some sort of uh, fear. Right. And they're afraid, so they sort of self-censor themselves, it seems, right? Exactly. Exactly. And um, I think that one thing I wanted to focus on, which I hope this is serves of encouragement um, to whoever's listening, regardless of whether you're a student or a parent, I think it's amazing that you're doing this, Manju, because it's so bold 
of you to um, be able to vocalize your opinions to people across the country today and let them know that they're not alone. And um, and and I just kind of wanted to touch base, like what boldness looks like, mm-hmm. what boldness sounds like and how we can apply it, you know, being a parent or being a student um, in in difficult climates, too. Well, yeah, because, you know, growing up is already hard as it is. You know, dealing with just the academic issues, um, dating issues, like personal issues, like everything, you know, and then to have this added stress now of being bullied or doxxed is, I can't even imagine being a student at this day and age, you know, with all the pressures that you have. Is there anything, um, any words of encouragement or resources that you can think of where um, these students can go to, to um, raise their voices, you know, they're just starting to really become their own and finding their voice. So Mm -hmm. how can you cultivate that even more? Yeah, so I think there is so much power um, in asking questions, right? We can ask questions to understand or we can ask questions to to confront and I encourage students to ask questions to their teachers they should be critically thinking curriculum that doesn't make sense to them you know Um, we find that when we ask questions and we confront these leftist ideologies most of these um, most of them don't even know why they believe what they do and with a simple question um, you can dismantle a whole argument that has absolutely no backbone. Unfortunately, most of these ideologies are are very flawed, and um, and and it. What we really have to do is bring common sense back to the table, which which I love the name of your podcast, common talking common sense. Um, so asking questions like why, what, for example, why do you think um, white men have more privileges than others? Why are you why where does what are the statistics for this or what is the definition of misogyny? Why do you think that we live in an unequal society um, when, I mean, there is no sign of, of, of female oppression or um, seeing it in our day and age? So it's like asking questions, I think, is super important. And that's a form of being of being bold, but not only asking questions to understand, uh, to understand, but asking questions to confront as well. I know sometimes we're scared of, of, you know, um, voicing our opinions, but people's true colors come out when we step out of our comfort zone. We can only see change, uh, when we step out of that comfort zone. That's true. But I think, um, another factor is, you know, as soon as someone, um, makes their opinion, you have some students that will say, oh, you're a racist, you're a white supremacist, because that's their way of shutting down an uh, an argument, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think at that point, once that is already out there, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I can see why it would be even twice as hard than to come out, you know, and um, keep at it you know, with your um, stand and with your viewpoints and everything. Right. And even if the reception from the other person that you asked the question isn't the best, um, asking why questions also allows students and parents to understand. 
it's if it, most of them might be defensive and confrontational and angry, but at least we can understand to an extent why or where they're coming from. And if there is no answer, then we understand we understand that they don't really have um, the the knowledge for a good argument, you know, um, and which kind of builds us to to be able to do it more when we know where people are coming from. Right. And it seems that um, if parents and students are concerned, especially um, for students, if they are like-minded students um, mm-hmm. who are conservative or who have, you don't even have to be a conservative. I mean, even from all different political ideologies, if you see censorship, you know, most people are kind of uncomfortable with that, you know? Exactly. And there would be, I'm sure, other students who may not see the same politics in a classroom, but if they see someone being intimidated um, by a professor, you know, they're not going to really appreciate that. And they probably would take the side of the conservative student, let's say, who is vocal, you know. Right. And, um, but what I was thinking is, um, and I want to bounce this off of you, because I don't know how much is being talked about with uh, Turning Point, but it seems to me that a lot of these issues can be dealt with by really putting pressure on the administration of the college to protect these kids. Right. No, I agree 100%. I think that parents need to show show up at board meetings. I think that um, parents need to go out of their way to um, stand up for their kids. And, and this looks like going to the board meetings every month. Like You can notice that many board members behave differently when people are in the public. They won't say things that they wouldn't say if nobody was there. Um, so it pushes them to follow the rules and it feels like um, they're being held accountable. So um, I, I encourage people to go to the board meetings, to go to your elected officials and and to bring these things up, that's what they're there for. They're there to serve the people. So if there's something that's not right in the school system and that's making parents and students uncomfortable, then we we have to show up and hold people accountable. Um, I think that's super important. Yeah, and I think it's important if you have a, a, a child in college that alumni also get involved, you mm-hmm. know, with their with how they donate to the school. I mean, stop funding the school, you know, if, right. if you have to go to that extreme and if no one's paying attention or listening to you, you know, that's mm-hmm. one way to do it too. Um, for high school, I mean, I really feel for these young high school kids because, I mean, like you said, you can go to these board of ed meetings and you could be able to get change out of that. But usually most of that change is done at the ballot box. Right. You know, so that's another thing. Um, you need to support candidates who at least see like you. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you have to be a certain political party. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it can just be anyone can have this. I mean, no, no one wants to have their child, you know, be called a racist or a su- exactly. white supremacist or, you know, um or for a kindergartner to be taught certain things at school about their gender. I mean, they're so young, you know. Right. No, they're they're not deserving of this at all. And 
I know that the elections just passed too. So, I mean, conservatives were expecting um, a red wave, as as we say. And and now that we don't have that, it's kind of like, what do we do now? And it's, I think now it's it's time we have to work with what we we got. You know, if if those elected candidates aren't there, what do we do now? You know. Um, do we monitor the teachers more? Um, do we do we look through um, our our ch- children's homework? You know, when COVID happened, parents started realizing that everything everything that was being taught in the school because they were able to listen into the Zoom calls since it was it was remote. So that was almost a blessing in disguise. Um, electing candidates is 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 certainly what we need to do. But now that it hasn't happened, it's like how can we come up with different ways to protect our children at like all costs, you know? That's right. Just like the way we did with um, fraternities and that whole thing with rush week, you know, for them. I mean, there was a huge outcry and a push to stop, you know, um, these, you know, deaths that would occur, Mm -hmm. you know, when you are rushing a fraternity. You know, and it was really based on pushing the administration. And there were a lot of legal changes that happened with the law. Right. And absolutely. And so I think with that, um, it something like that can maybe be done in this area too. You know, it all comes down to holding people accountable. Right. Right. Because at the end of the day, I mean, the they're either they don't. I don't know if they even want the best for our kids. You know, I, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's, it's become an extreme. Um, it's become too extreme. And um, it's either listening to, it's, it's either asking questions to confront or asking questions to understand. Um, and, and now I think it's, it's at the, the point where um, we have to rise up. You, you know, we, you can't be passive. We can't be passive conservatives. We have to be bold um, in our day and age, especially in, in, in the New England climate where um, it's, it's solid blue, you know, um, or in, in, we just have to, we have to learn to be bold and, and um, vocalize what we believe um, in, in a way that challenges other perspectives for sure. Yeah, but, um, and that is totally true, I agree. Um, but I also think that, um, you know, when you're, dealing with parents of different political backgrounds or ideologies. I mean, parents are parents. They were, I mean, love is any, you know, it transcends anything, you know, it transcends politics and your ideology, you know, the love for your child. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that um, when you deal with these types of issues, I mean, no parent, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican right. or an independent, they don't want to have puberty blockers, you know, g- being given to their children without their consent. You know, they don't want the school system making judgments on their kids without their input. They want, you know, they're the parent. They have parental rights, you know. If you're right. going to do things like, if the school system is going to do things like that, um, don't you think that they should then take care of college tuition costs and all their health care costs and give them a roof over their heads? And, you know, so it, it gets to a certain point where I think common sense just comes into play. Right, exactly. Exactly. I, I agree 100%. I mean, regardless of political affiliation, this is just wrong. These 
they're minors and they shouldn't and, and they parents should most definitely be involved in their education. And I, I it doesn't take a Democrat or a Republican to to agree on that. I don't think that's right. Exactly. Right. So yeah. the other thing I wanted to ask you also is you had um, when we had spoken a little bit briefly um, before you had said something about what does boldness look like? you know, for right. students, you know, and can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure. Um, I mean, being in college and, and, and I work with high schoolers, but for my personal experience, I obviously had situations where I had to be bold um, in classes that we were required to take like women's gender and sexuality courses um, to, to fulfill our major. So, I mean, in my regard, I might be a little extreme because I'm I'm the overassertive person with the backbone who says something that nobody else will say. But I I did I would go up in front of the class and I would argue the op like the opposing point to what um everybody else would disagree with. For instance, putting together um possibly a pro life uh, presentation when we were asked to write an essay on you know maybe abortion. And um, that might be a little extreme, but it just when you're when you're the one person in the room that's not complying, I I think that people won't say it, but there's definitely a curiosity that strikes up in people. Like, how can she be the only one in the room who disagrees? And um, that's what it kind of looked like in in my own life. And back to the New Hampshire story, I think that the the few students who saw my table set up outside the school were 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 emboldened by the fact that I was out there. You know, how can how can she be the only one out here? Um, but everybody else is telling her like F America and, and they're throwing acorns at her, which did happen for the re- <laughs> for the record. Um, but that's a little bit of what I, I it looked like for me um, is just being the black sheep and being OK with that. Um, in a weird way. Right. Yeah. Well, what gives you the motivation to get out there and, and deal with these types of, um, circumstances where you really don't know what the outcome is going to be? The motivation? For you. Yeah. So I think, um, really being an, inspiration. I think I want to be a role model because, you know, um, there are conservatives everywhere who are, who, who feel silenced. And if a a conservative sees another conservative who is emboldened, I think that, um, my motivation is just to bring the best and, and the best out of students and to push them to become leaders and, push them to step out of their comfort zone. If I'm able to inspire one student in a setting, um, then I feel like I've, I've fulfilled my mission. Um, and, and it's really, my motivation is for the students. I think that it's not easy being a conservative in school today. You know, I, I also went to another fair because we're known to set up tables at fairs to find high school students. And, Um, one of them also came up to me and was like, don't, uh, I, I I love what you're doing, but don't tell my teachers I'm conservative. And it's like, these, these guys believe what they believe, but they're just scared 
to, to come out of that shell. So if I'm able to help one student, um, be who they are and, and not be afraid of that, I think that's what my motivation is. Okay. That's really good. That's a, a great way to look at things. Um, what advice would you give someone who wanted to do what you're doing? Uh, advice that I would give, um, you know, I think boldness is like one of the rarest traits in human beings. It's, I think that many other traits and qualities flourish from becoming bold and, and the world demands boldness. So I think, um, accepting what you believe and becoming knowledgeable about the issues, um, and more comfortable in what you believe, whether it's reading books or listening to podcasts so you can solidify an argument. I think that would be, um, my advice, become a master in, in what you believe. If, if become a master, um, seek knowledge. Um, and so you can clearly communicate and, um, make a difference through the way you can, you, you, you learned the content, you know, just, um, yeah, my advice would just seek out knowledge and become knowledgeable, dig deep and then, and, and do your research. Okay. So now as we wind down, um, what is the one piece of common sense you would like to share with the listeners? Some common sense. Mm hmm. Could you repeat that? Oh, I, I was asking, like, what is the one piece of common sense you would like to share with the listeners? Oh, 100% critically think. Critically <laughs> think everything. You know, uh, we're just we're just a, a society that's succumbed to a lot of deception. And people don't critically think anymore. And we know this through the younger generation who has a attention span of eight seconds. You know, people can only listen to something for eight seconds and then lose attention of something. So I think we should critically think and, and, and common sense is to, to seek out knowledge, you know, don't just believe something because somebody told you do your research. And, um, I think that's, that's as common sense as it it gets. Oh, um, enough of like the social emotional learning. What are the facts? Right. <laughs> it's what's the statistics? What are, what is the logic placed before me? That's right. That's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Esther, for this great conversation today. And, um, I hope to have you back again. I know you and I will be meeting up shortly because, um, you know, um, We've really hit it off, so. <laughs> right. No, I love talking about this. It was, it's so, yeah, I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. And um, I'll speak to you later. Yep. Catch you with you later. Okay, bye. Bye.